are you guys familiar with the way we call groups of things different? Like, like a, a group of geese is called a gaggle, right? And you've heard them when they're together, right? They're called a gaggle. I'm going to ask Joni a question really fast. Do you know what they call a group of waterfowl when they're all together on the lake? It's a, a raft. <laughs> Doesn't that make sense? It does. Okay, and so the famous one of that is this. So wolves are called packs, right? And whales are pods. And, and crows are called a murder. How about ravens? Do you know what a group of ravens is called? An unkindness. Really? Um, here's, here's one. Here's one that's more fun. Flamingos. Any guess? A flamboyance. <laughs> because, of course, that makes sense, doesn't it? I've got another one here. Did you know that vultures are called a committee when they're in the air and awake when they're on the ground? <laughs> no, that's true. Owls are called a parliament. And yet, and yet, I think this is funny because when politicians get together, we call that a party. <laughs> what do they call a group? What do they call a group? They call that a ministerial association. <laughs> but what do they call, what are Christians when they're together? What are Christians when they're together? The body? Um, what does Paul call them? Do, don't you know that you're the temple? Or where two or three of you are gathered, there I'm with you. Well, what that means is that when he's with us, we're the temple. Because what happens in temples? We worship. That was one of these things. We, we're, we're here in Christmas. By the way, I, I, I have an unusual text for you this morning because it's tick, tick, typically got my mouth fixed and now my tongue doesn't work. It's typically a second coming verse. But I, but I have it as an Advent text today because not only did we just finish Revelation and sort of, I hope that Revelation changed for you guys a little bit in the hearing of it. But in this, so I want to read this technically a second coming verse about how we expect Jesus to come. And I'm going to read here from Matthew 24 verses 23 and on. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is Christ, here's the Christ, or there he is, it says, don't believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Who's the elect? That's a technical term in there for people that follow Jesus or the body. Right? That, was, that was yours, the body or the people of God were called all of those things. So as to lead aside, even the elect. See, I told you this beforehand. This is Jesus speaking. I love that. Just in case you were wondering, I'm going to tell you ahead of time. So if they look to you and say, look, he's in the wilderness, don't go out. And if they say, look, he's in the inner rooms, don't believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of man. Even the corpse is where the vultures gravel. That's why it's awake when they're on the ground. See, I got that. 
Immediately after the tribulation of those days, or the struggle of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light and the stars will fall from heaven. Right? This, remember, all signs of a great and, and powerful thing coming. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn. And I just want to say this really fast. You know, people... People, us Christians, we make sort of two mistakes about the second coming. Are you ready for those second mistakes? What do you think are the two mistakes Christians make regarding the second coming? Anybody? What's the most common mistake that Christians make? Go ahead. Right. But, but I would say this. Most Christians just don't think it's any time nearby, and they just sort of ignore it. Have you seen that? They're not, they're, we're called to be ready and waiting, but we sort of fall asleep at sort of the Noah time that verse is coming. And the second one is this. We spend all our time looking for the signs of the dark and judgment and all that stuff. Have you met that, have you met that group of Christians? They have a prophecy every year. He's coming. One of, one of my commentaries said, the bones of the people that have been seeking to name the day of the return are white and the earth is full of them. We even have Bibles named after people like that. The Schofield Bible, he named a date. I, I can name two groups that have uh, buildings in our town that have picked dates six times since the 1940s. It's, a, it's pretty interesting. Not just one group, but two groups. And they usually pick them about the same time. And so they make these mistakes. Don't make the mistake. Don't spend your time worrying about the coming. This is what's going on in this scripture. But we want to get to the spot where we don't worry about it, but we're looking forward to it. We're anticipating. What do you anticipate the most in your life? Just think of that. What is the one spot where you are excited about something? I don't know what it is. I know what you worry the most about if you have a medical procedure coming. You, we, right, you call me in to pray with you or pray over the phone with you before a medical procedure. That's worry. That's not what we're called to do. Anyway, here we go back into the text. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet and they'll gather his elect from everywhere from the end of the... That's why you don't have to go out to the desert to find whether the Son of Man has come back. You don't have to go seek the signs because he's gonna ga- they're going to gather you. You don't have to go out. Learn the lesson from the fig tree. And the lesson is, as soon as its branch comes tender and it puts on leaf, you know that summer is nearby. So also, when you see these things, you know he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation... Not sure about the word generation there. It's kind of a word that could mean age... The era, the generation, this people, it's kind of one of those catch-all words. It's sort of like joy means different things to different people. Will not pass away until these things take place. Heaven and earth will not pass away, but these words, my words, will not. But concerning the hour, no one knows, not even the angels nor the Son, but the Father only. For as in the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. What does that mean? That's that first mistake I talked about. People just start to ignore that Jesus is coming around. 
And they just, and what they do, and the thing of Noah is they were eating and drinking and giving in marriage and being married, even though they knew the time was coming when that wasn't going to work out for them. Noah told them, and they just kept doing it like no big deal. It makes me wonder a little bit about this. Are you ready? How did the idea of, of St. Nicholas giving to people become Black Friday at Walmart? I just, that's kind of a mistake, isn't it? <laughs> Aside from the fact that other than the very few deals, they restock the shelves later, so you don't really have to go in the middle of the rush unless you want the doorbuster, right? But how did, how did the idea of St. Nicholas get all the way to Black Friday? Well, it happens because we, we just sort of fall asleep at the wheel and we let things roll, roll off us. I would say that I'm beginning to think that Halloween is more commercial than, than Christmas except for Black Friday. If it weren't for Black Friday, then Halloween is totally taken over for Christmas and in marketing and all that, except for that Black Friday thing. Mainly because our, our economy needs the boost, right? We need to start this big influx of cash into the businesses. And, and because that happens, we buy more gas and gas prices come down every year and all that. Yeah. Well, they are down, aren't they? I just bought gas for under three bucks yesterday in Spokane. Yeah, no. It just keeps going. And so what I want to do is, is remind us that we're not to sleep at the wheel, but we're also not to make this mistake over on the other side where we get, where we go, wow, Jesus is coming and he's going to judge you guys. Look, I need to make sure you know this. Jesus didn't come into the world to judge the world, but you would say, but there's all this judgment in Christians, right? Have you seen that? So how does that happen? It happens this way. Jesus' very presence comes into the world, and those that see him go, wow, I'm not ready. And he didn't judge them. He just provided the standard, and we judge ourselves. Think about that for a second. If you're judging yourself, the people that see him that don't know anything about him when they see that standard, they're going to do that too. They don't need us to do it. They need us to do it for us, in us. But this is the, the Christmas is coming. Why did I pick this text for, for, for the first Sunday of Christmas or Advent? Because this is the season where we began to join in the thought of, the, of those early Jews that were waiting for their Redeemer to come. That's what, that's what Advent is about. Did you know that? When you come to church and you go, Jesus is coming and we're remembering and we're sort of sitting in agreement with those first, the Jews of the first century that said Jesus is coming and he didn't come the way they were expecting him. Right? That was Greg's point when I asked about the mistakes Christians make. They didn't come the way, they expected a king. They didn't expect somebody born in a manger off off in a side street, right? Certainly in the hospital, not, not in the taxi on the way. That's for us. But I don't want us to make the mistakes that, that, that they did where they just sort of ignored it like it, 
you know, well, whether he's coming or not. That's just a story. We don't have to pay any attention to that. But I don't want us to go overboard and think that Black Friday is the thing. And that's the Christian mistake, is to go one way or the other. We don't sit in the middle and recognize that, that Christmas is for us to anticipate, to be a people of anticipation, to, to be on the lookout for Jesus in our lives. So how do you do that? How do we get from being politicians or a party to Christians as the temple? A gaggle of geese, right? We just do. If you get a bunch of geese together, they're just going to gaggle. That's the noise they make. If you walk amongst them, they just make that noise. That's probably where that came from, isn't it? But if you come amongst Christians, wouldn't it be great if people came amongst us and just saw us anticipating that Jesus was coming, not because we were worried like because we were having a, a medical procedure, but because we love him and we're so excited to see him. And we don't know how that's going to come. That's one of the main things we need to start doing in our lives. And I'm going to tell you, you can practice that. We've been talking about practicing this attitude of Christ the last couple of weeks. I would love to love for us to practice looking for where Jesus is acting in our lives. Because if you're not looking for it, you're not going to find it. Unless he beats you over the head with a two-by-four. That's the, that's the modern thought, right? Jesus hit me with a two-by-four because I wasn't listening. He kept doing it until I was listening. But he doesn't have to do that unless we choose that direction in our lives. I think it's really important for us to understand that, don't you? That if we begin to look for Jesus, how is Jesus working in your life right now? Jesus is coming. I need us to stop looking at how the world, where the world is going and to start looking at who has come into the world. If we take our eyes off Jesus, we start to look at our world, don't we? And maybe, maybe that leads us to say, well, Jesus is coming and he's going to judge everything when he comes. And, and of course, that's where that mistake comes from, where we go, Jesus is going to judge that. Well, yeah. That's, you know, Jesus is going to judge Black Friday as a mistake, I think. I think, I think he'll go, and, how, and, and my people who are supposed to love me, how did they get tied up in that? That's a hard word, I think, for us as we're, we're in the middle of a commercial success, right? <laughs> that Jesus is, is coming, and some of the things we're doing, he's going to go, you know, no. My people aren't supposed to do that. But we're also not supposed to fall asleep at the wheel and just let it happen around us, but to care. And look, and the way we we find that is we become the people of God. We become the temple, which is a place of worship of somebody that we deeply love. And we're looking for his coming. And it won't be the way we expect it to be. That's what the first Sunday of Advent is about. It's about the hope. Jesus is coming. And he's done great things for me. What has he done for me recently? He's been doing this in my life. Is there, I'm going to ask you to just raise your hand if God's been doing something in your life just recently and, and, and you like it. Okay. God's been doing something in my life recently and I like it. 
That's the Jesus who's coming for us. That's the way we become a people of anticipation and hope is we begin to look at Jesus is coming and that's going to be good. Not only is it going to be good for us, it's going to be good because he's made a place for us that's, that's frankly quite a bit cooler than here. One of my art school poet things that we used to do had this line and it says, heaven is exactly like where you are right now, only much, much better. No, it's not exactly like right here. It is much, much better, but not exactly like here. So how do you, how do I hope you can get your eyes off where the world is going? Because I think we can say it pretty, pretty readily. It's because I hear it. Things are getting worse. And my response to that is things are getting worse and there are some things getting better because it's a Charles Dickens world. It's always the best of times and the worst of times. Things are getting worse. But if we're always looking at what's gone wrong in the world, we take our eyes off Jesus who's done good things for us and is still doing good things in us. Let us be that. Let us take our eyes off what the world is coming to and pay attention to the one who's come into the world. And that's what Christmas season is about. Let's do that. Let's look for Jesus where we are. See him at work. Recognize it. Give it the word. Remember last week I asked you if you would get up in the morning saying thank you for something that's going on in my life. Now I'm asking you to look for something you can be thankful for. That if you will train your eyes to see the Lord, that will be fabulous. That's what I want you to do this anticipatory first Sunday of Advent. Let's do that. Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you that we can enter into a time of waiting, that we can enter in and we can look with our eyes and see you coming. Help us do that. Train our eyes so that we can see, Lord, in your precious name. Amen.